0: Our second scripture reading today. We are jumping back into the Gospel of Matthew. Uh, We're going to look at chapter 18, verses 5 through 11. You can find that in your pew Bibles on page 1,526. 1526. We'll also have the words on the screen for you. Matthew 18, verses 5 through 11. And whoever welcomes a little child like this in my name welcomes me. But if anyone causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him to have a large millstone hung around his neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. Woe to the world because of the things that cause people to sin. Such things must come, but woe to the man through whom they come. If your hand or your foot causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to enter life maimed or crippled than to have two hands or two feet and be thrown into eternal fire. And if your eye causes you to sin, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to enter life with one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into the fire of hell. See that you do not look down on one of these little ones. For I tell you that their angels in heaven always see the face of my Father in heaven. The Son of Man came to save what was lost. Thus ends our reading of God's holy word. May all who hear it find that they are welcomed into the kingdom as a little child. When you think about this church, this specific church, First Congregational Church of Allegan, and when you think about all the people who sit in these pews, all their characteristics and diverse personalities. And when you think about the ministry of this church, all the, the ways that people around you are trying to be lights in a darkened world, and when you think about all the intricacies and details and nuances that, that make First Congregational Church of Allegan unique, when you, when you put all of that together, you come up with this tiny, tiny portion of the kingdom of heaven that is unlike Any other portion. My my question for you is this. Who are the ones who would feel at home in this unique grouping of God's kingdom that we call First Congregational Church? And who are the ones who would not feel welcome? Last week we began Jesus' fourth major discourse in Matthew's Gospel. And we saw that this teaching of our Lord was prompted by a question. The, the disciples had come to Jesus and asked him, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And they were doing so out of, out of their own desire to know their own position within the kingdom. They wanted to know where, where they ranked. You see, when it, when it came to the kingdom, these men were thinking like, like the world thinks. For they viewed greatness in terms of power and might, in terms of one's ability to conquer and to, and to judge, to hold authority over men. But the world's ways are not God's ways. In fact, they are opposite. For what we learned at the, at the start of this fourth discourse is, is that the pathway to true greatness begins with humility. Humility. One must become like a little child to even enter into the kingdom. They must understand that they are, they are helpless and needy, unable to fend for themselves. Like a, like a toddler who seeks out mom and dad in order to find security and peace. One must humble themselves and look to God above for that same security, that same peace. One must become A little child. But that is only the beginning of greatness. For for such humility must, must continue to shape the person, allowing them to show hospitality, compassion, and forgiveness. These are the characteristics that demonstrate greatness in God's kingdom. And they are the traits in which the kingdom grows. Today we are going to shift our attention from that of becoming little children to that of welcoming a little child. Let's, let's look at our second trait, hospitality, beginning in verse 5. And whoever welcomes a little child like this in my name welcomes me. Before we can understand what this verse means, we must remind ourselves of what Jesus was referring to when he said, little child. And we just talked about it, right? Remember, a little child in this context is one who has humbled himself before God. They are those who understand that they are weak and that they are in need of salvation. They are the, the repentant sinners who have trusted in Jesus just as a, a little child trusts in their own parents. Thus, uh, the, the ones who are, who are entering the kingdom of heaven are these little children. In other words, a little child is a believer in Christ, a Christian. But if, if that is the case, then what does it mean to, to welcome a little child like this? Again, we have to look at the context. What was the question that the disciples were asking of Jesus? Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And so this welcoming refers to the kingdom. Are these little children, these these brand new believers that Jesus is talking about, are they being welcomed in to the community of God? Earlier, I asked you whom you could think of that would not feel welcome in this church. And that was a, a broad question aimed at a wide variety of people. And it is a good question to ask. For, for we want anyone who walks up, up the steps to this church and enters through those doors to feel like they are wanted. That they are welcome to stay and to, and to worship with us. And yet, in the, in the same breath, we wouldn't ask that person to become a member of this church without, without first knowing a bit more about their faith in God. What do they believe when it comes to Jesus? Do they agree that, that He is the Christ, the Son of the living God? Have they humbled themselves by turning from their sins and, and trusting in Him alone for forgiveness? In other words, are, are they truly a little child? This is the purpose of our membership classes. They they help us to know the person better. And to see if they have made that good confession concerning both Jesus and his saving work. And if they have, then what do we do? We make a covenant with them. To care for them. To look out for them. And they make a covenant back with us that they would do likewise. In other words... We welcome them in as a brother or a sister in Christ. They are now part of our family. But as good as our membership classes may be, it's, it's what happens after those classes that is more concerning. Do we stay true to, to that covenant that we make? Or are we covenant breakers? For we say that, that we are the body of Christ, but, but too often we tend to act as if there's no connection between the, the, the right finger and, and the left toe. Think about all the reasons why a person might leave a church. Why a, might, a person might leave our church. Yes, there, there are times when those who, who go out from us do so because they, they never really were one of us. But typically this is, this is not the case. Often those who leave do so because they feel unwelcomed or unwanted. Perhaps they were hurt by another member and there was no resolution, no attempts to heal that relationship. Or maybe they were at the the center of some some gossip. Rumors about them spread and they got wind of it and so they just took off. Or it could be that, that they were ignored in their time of need. That when they were seeking help, no one in the church stepped up to help them out. Perhaps they were just overlooked week after week. They, they would come and sit in these pews, but no one would ever talk to them. And so they wondered to themselves, Would anyone even notice if I never came back? There are many ways that a church can make a person feel unwelcome and unwanted. These are just just a few of the ways. The question we must ask ourselves, in what ways have we as First Congregational Church of Allegan been guilty of this? How have we made a a little child feel unwelcomed? In the first century, it was the Pharisees who were the guardians of the synagogue. They They determined who could be welcomed in and who would be put out. Those who were steeped in sin, people like prostitutes and drunkards and tax collectors, they could not attend their Sabbath worship. And it didn't matter if they had changed their ways, for once, once these people were defiled, they were seen as irredeemable. And the fact that these people were, were not welcome made it so that they had no motivation to repent. I mean, after all, even if they did change their ways, who was going to take them in? Fortunately, as, as a church, I don't think there is any one sin that we as a congregation would consider to be too great that it would exclude someone. At least I hope not. But in many ways, we, we follow the tradition of these Pharisees when we break our covenant, when we make one of these little children feel unwanted, when we fail to welcome them in to the kingdom. For when they, when they leave us because of our covenant unfaithfulness to them, it, it might as well be us who has kicked them out the door. And where do they go when, when, when they leave? Some may find another church and hopefully they will find welcome there. But there are those who, who simply just give up and never go back. They, they have a bad taste in their mouth, and because of that, they, they are done with the church. And the only place that they have left is to go back into the world. When that happens, in essence, we are the ones who have shut the doors to the kingdom, leaving them to fend for themselves. Christ has a word of warning for us. Look at verse 6. But if anyone causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him to have a large millstone hung around his neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. Ouch. These are some strong words from our Lord. Words we should should pay heed to. Drowning was a common form of capital punishment in the Greco-Roman world. And Jesus said that, that, that this form of punishment would be a better fate than what would happen to someone who, who causes one of these little ones who believes in him to sin. Now, now what is he referring to here? What, how did we go from welcoming a little child to causing that same little child to sin? How, how are these two things related? The Greek word that the NIV translates as cause to sin is scandalizo. It's where we get our English word scandal or scandalize. And while it, it can mean to cause to sin, that is just one specific use of a much broader term. Scandalizo literally means to, to set a snare or, or to cause to stumble. It is putting a roadblock before a person in order order to trip them up or to veer them off the path. And so this, this term, while it could refer to sinful temptations, it could also refer to anything that causes a person to stumble. Any other obstacles that may be in their way. Obstacles such as loneliness or poverty or persecution. And this is exactly what what happens when a little child is not received into the church. They have have no place to go, no place to hang their hat. Perhaps they want to get fed. Perhaps they, they want to find some security. Perhaps they want to grow in their faith. And so, what do they do? They go back into the world from where they came even though the world is the enemy of Christ. Do you see the connection? Are you following? If you consider yourself a citizen of the kingdom, a little child of God, and yet you are not welcoming God's other children, then you have put a stumbling block before them, for they will find no help when the world attacks. This is why Christ's warning is so serious. For these are his children, the ones that he loves, and he will jealously protect them. Listen, hospitality is not optional when it comes to the kingdom. It is expected from all of God's children. For when you send a person away, here's what you're sending them to. Look at verse 7. Woe to the world because of the things that causes people to sin. Such things must come, but woe to the man through whom they come. In this fallen world in which we live, there are countless, countless ways in which a person can be attacked because of Christ. There are many stumbling blocks that that, that can be set in the pathway of a believer. And it seems that as, as time goes on, the world keeps coming up with more and more creative ways to either entice people into sin or to threaten them if they don't submit. Here's what you need to understand society wants to try to normalize what was once considered evil or, or cruel or perverse. And one way they do this is by getting others to join them in their wickedness. But why does the world do it? Why does it try to get the rest of humanity to join them in their idolatry? Why, why build these stumbling blocks to begin with? Because if the rest of the world would just join them, then they wouldn't feel so guilty. And so they they create these stumbling blocks in order order to ease their own consciences. Isaiah 5 verse 20 says this, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. You see, if, if they can just convince the people around them that the evil that they are doing is actually good, then they believe that their guilt will just melt away. And so they entrap people within their own vices. But for those who who don't fall in line, those who won't call evil good and good evil, there there is a different type of stumbling block, a different type of pressure that, that they put on a believer in order to dishearten them. And it comes in the form of persecution. The world will will press down on such people, either through the means of brute force or through social and and financial pressure until they crumble underneath the weight. This is the way the world works. Jesus sees this as an inevitability. Inevitability. He says that such things must come. And if we as his church are not welcoming his children, then we are pushing them into this. Into temptation. Into persecution. And they must battle these things on their own. There is a culpability that belongs to the church for all the little children that have been rejected. For God has established his church to guard against such things. This is what we read about in our, in our first scripture reading. Look, look again at Ecclesiastes 4, verses 9 through 12. Two are better than one, because they have a good return for their work. If one falls down, his friend can help him up. But pity the man who falls and has no one to help him up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? The one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. One of the roles that we have as a church is to, is to protect and to guard one another from all the stumbling blocks that the world puts forth. But how can we do that if we are putting people on the streets? We must learn to welcome the little child. Yet in the same breath that Jesus warns of the wiles of the world, he he also says that the individual cannot forego his own responsibility. Look at verses 8 and 9. If your hand or your foot causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to enter, enter life maimed or crippled than to have two hands Or two feet and be thrown into eternal fire. And if your eye causes you to sin, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to enter life with one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into the fire of hell. Though we feel the pull of these worldly temptations, we are not to give in to them. Instead, We need to mortify our sin. The the hands and the the feet that Jesus talks talks about, they they represent movement. They are a person's actions. And and so if your hand or your foot causes you to stumble, it means that you are actively engaging in sin. The eyes, on the other hand, they, they are the windows to our souls. They are how we take in the world around us. And yet, if, if, if a person lingers too long on the, on the sinful delights, then they are corrupting their own heart. This is what Jesus talked about in his Sermon on the Mount when he spoke of anger and lust. For when you hold these things in your heart, even if those around you cannot see it, it is still sin. Yes, even those who have been welcomed into the church can fall prey to these worldly desires. This is why we need one another so desperately. For these these things that the world runs after, they have dire, dire consequences. They bring about eternal judgment. And it's why they need to be cut off and crucified. But to do so is impossible on your own. You need God's help. And one of the means that God uses to to root out sin is his church. This is why we see Jesus repeating his warning in verse 10. Look look, look at verse 10. See that you do not look down on one of these little ones. For I tell you that their angels in heaven always see the face of my Father in heaven. The Son of Man came to save what was lost. Part of the reason we see such strong language from our Lord, words that speak of drowning and of hellfire, is because he has such a strong, strong love for his little children. And now here we see this strong language once again. See that you do not look down on on one of these little ones. See that you do not despise them. For I tell you that their angels in heaven always see the face of my Father in heaven. They are constantly before the judge. In other words, God knows how these little ones are being treated. And you cannot hide an unwelcoming heart. Dear friends, how we treat our fellow believers is of immense importance to God. What did Jesus say back in verse 5? Whoever welcomes a, a little child like this in my name welcomes me. You see, Jesus has placed his own identity on his people. And if welcoming a little child means welcoming Jesus, then what does it mean when we push that same little child out of the church? How we treat them is how we treat Christ. Imagine, if you will, if, if Jesus walked up those steps and came through that door right now, right this instance. How would you greet him? Would you give him the best seat in the house? Would you make him feel loved and special? I'm pretty sure you would. How do we do that when a little child of his comes through those saints' door? Do we do the same things? Or do we despise them until they go back out into the world, never to, the, never to return? For how we treat these little ones is how we treat Jesus. If you, if you really think about it, one's hospitality hinges on one's humility. What we talked about last week. As years go by, we as Christians tend to forget that we too are just little children. That we are just as needy as the ones who are entering into the kingdom for the very first time. Thankfully, our king does not use his position of greatness to reject those who come to him. He does not shut the door on his little ones. He does not cast them out into a world that wants to harm them. No. He he welcomes them in and protects them. And by his mercy, he has welcomed you and he has welcomed me. For he has come to save what was lost. How did he do so? By shedding his blood for each and every little child. Brothers. Sisters. Sisters. The cross of Christ is an open door to the kingdom. Not only for you, but for all who have humbled themselves. So let us remember what Jesus has done. How he has welcomed us into his kingdom as little children. And then in in our humility, let us do likewise. Let us welcome in the little child. For that is what greatness looks like in the kingdom. Let us pray. Father, help us to remember where we came from. That we are all just little children. And help us to develop a heart of hospitality. May your Holy Spirit guide us in this way. And we pray for all those little children that... that. Perhaps we have cast out, or maybe another church has cast out. We pray for all of them that are, that are, have felt rejected by the church. We pray that they would find a welcoming spirit as as we reach out to them again. We ask now that this church, your church, would become a beacon of light to those who are living in darkness. May they feel the warmth and the welcome of of your Son, when they enter through these doors. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.